Okay, so turn in your Bibles if you have one. We're gonna be in the same passage for most of tonight. It's John 11. Um, If you have a phone, you can do that too. It's kind of a good chunk, so you might wanna get there if you can. Um, And it's a cool time to be reading this story because as y'all know, it's Easter week. Um, A very different Easter week, but Easter week nonetheless. And this story actually takes place just a few days before Palm Sunday, uh, which we celebrated this past Sunday. So it's just a few days before that um, in context. And this is towards the end of Jesus's life. He will be going to the cross soon, um, very soon, about 10 days after this story, give or take. Um, And he just still has this calmness and slowness and unhurriedness about him in doing what he is doing. And it's just really cool to see thinking about it being Easter time right now. Um, So I'm gonna summarize most of the story for the sake of time, and then I'm gonna pull verses in as we go. Um, So just follow along with me, and then um, hang in there with me when I'm just telling the story. Um, So for context, this comes right after chapter 10, obviously, and Jesus is just kinda going to work in chapter 10. It's a very famous and highly quoted passage of the Bible, or chapter of the Bible. Um, Jesus and his disciples, are going around and doing work. It's where we hear that term that Jesus is the good shepherd amongst others. Um, He promises eternal life. He says, I and the Father are one. Uh, He casts out demons. They try to seize him, um, and he slips away, just like he always seems to, because his time had not yet come. And then we get to the beginning of chapter 11, um, and it starts off with um, word being sent to Jesus from Mary and Martha, some of his very dear friends, Um, And it says that he loves, that their brother Lazarus, whom Jesus loves, says that also, um, is sick and he is dying. Um, That's where we start in chapter 11. And so Jesus hears this um, and he explains to his disciples after hearing this news that this sickness in verse four will not end in death, um, but for the glory of God and that the son of God may be glorified through it. Um, Kind of an interesting thing to say, but then in verse five and six, It says, now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that he was sick, he then stayed two days longer in the place where he was. So he heard that he was sick, these people that he loves, and he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. And I hear that and I'm like, that makes absolutely no sense. Why are you staying if they said he's dying, he's sick? Uh, Come on, Jesus. And he's like, no, I'm gonna stay put. And that's just one of those moments where I'm like, what is he doing? That doesn't make any sense. Um, He said, because I love you, I'm gonna stay here and I'm not gonna do anything. Um, And that's confusing probably in all of our brains. We pretty naturally think that if we love someone and we have the ability to do something, we would do something. Most humans can agree on that. Um, But Jesus has something planned that no one could have predicted. Um, They stay two more days where they're at, And then Jesus tells his disciples, his dudes that he's been traveling around with, okay, let's go back to Judea where we just were, and they tried to kill him, uh, where Lazarus is. And they're like, what? You wanna go back now? (laughs) They just asked you to come back two days ago and you said we're gonna stay, but now you wanna go back to the place where they tried to kill you? And he's like, yes, that's what we're gonna do. Um, They're not really getting it. And then he says something pretty, just bizarre in uh, verse 14, if you're following along. He says, so Jesus then said to them plainly, Lazarus is dead and I am glad for your sakes that I was not there so that you may believe, but let us go to him. 
kind of a crazy statement. He's like, he's dead, but I'm glad for your sake that I was not there so that you may believe. And it's kind of just end of discussion. Um, and they go to him. And there, when they get to the town, um, Jesus waits outside and he calls for Martha and then he calls for Mary. Um, and he has a conversation with him. These are his like close, dear friends, like his people. He loves them dearly. Um, and he meets with them separately outside the town, but they both say the same exact thing. And this is what I noticed that I hadn't seen before. Um, and it starts with Martha in verse 21, and she says, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Um, and then Mary says the exact same sentence through weeping, as she's weeping to Jesus in verse 32, she says, Lord, if you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. She's crying, telling Jesus this. And this is some like gut level honesty they're having with Jesus. Um, it's not some like pretty prayer where she's like, Lord, if it had been thy will uh, to save my brother, it would have been lovely. I would have appreciated that. Like that's not this like pretty churchy prayer that she's praying. She's like, dude, if you had been here, my brother wouldn't be dead. Like, what are you doing? We've seen you raise people or heal people. We've seen you do all these different things. We know you're capable. Why did you not come? Um, and it just made me think like, how often is that us? How often is that me? Um, and both the big and the small things. God, where were you? Where are you? Um, some examples, it would be like, God, if you would just show up and heal the land of the whole world of COVID-19 and in this pandemic, we could go back to normal, I could see my friends, everything would be fine. Like, where are you, what are you doing? If you had just been there when it started, you could have prevented it, right, God? Like, I know you're capable, but where were you? Another one would be like, God, where were you when my blank passed away? Um, someone that you love dearly, like, God, we prayed, why didn't you heal them? Um, Jesus, where are you in my personal life? Why have you not brought the person I'm supposed to marry or a strong community of friends? Why haven't you provided that? Uh, God, where were you when that terrible thing happened to me as a child that I am still dealing with? Why did you let that happen? Um, God, if you had been there when blank happened, things would be different. Where were you? Um, I think it's a question we ask more often than we think. I know I do. Um, which brings me to my first point, if you're taking notes, which is God allows the hard and the bad to bring about the greatest good. Um, so God allows the hard and the bad things to bring about the greatest good. Um, Jesus allowed this great grief and pain of his friends whom he loved so that many might believe in him and be saved. We see that in verse 14 and verse 45. Um, and just a personal example of this um, from my story, some of you know my story, a lot of you probably don't, um, unless you've been around the gathering for a while, but uh, pain and heartache and loss are something that are not unfamiliar to me or my family, just like so many of you. I actually have seen it do amazing things in my life and the lives of people that I love. Um, the most difficult and painful time 
of my life at the time um, is actually when I really first leaned into a relationship with Jesus for the first time in my life. Um, I hit some turbulence in life, I think is how I would say it, um, when I was a sophomore in college, 19-year-old, um, and it just some hard things happened. My, one of my parents got cancer, and that was hard and scary. Um, I got this concussion in volleyball that took that away. That was like a huge identity piece in my life. Uh, I was going through a breakup, which is just the worst. You all know that. Um, and just some other hard stuff in the span of a couple of weeks. It was in September, I think, 2013. And it was just this hard season um, of my life. But um, it was the first time that I ever genuinely needed God. I needed him so bad. It drove me literally physically to my knees. I can remember in my college house bedroom getting on my knees and being like, God, I need you. Um, he used this terrible time, this really difficult time in my life um, to show me his loving kindness when I finally surrendered, palms up, and was like, I need you, God. He went from this kind of this figure in my life. Um, I was like, God, you're okay. Like, you're fine. I'll go to church. I'll kind of do what I'm supposed to do. But you're going to stay over there on a shelf um, with a Bible with some dust on it. Um, just over there. And I'll try to be a good person. And that'll be enough to, you are my savior. Um, my friend, my king, my lord, all of those things in my life um, has never been the same. Um, he used what was at that time the greatest pain in my life to bring about the greatest freedom, which was the hope in knowing him, um, finding my hope and security and my identity in a God that doesn't change and is the same yesterday, today, and forever um, instead of sports or health or relationships. Um, he taught me how to find it in him. Um, so nothing is wasted um, when it comes to God. I remember crying out to God and being like, what are you doing? Like, this doesn't make any sense. And looking back now, I'm like, oh my gosh, you had a plan. You were working it out um, for my good. Second Peter 3, 8, and 9 is one of my all-time favorite passages. It kind of just helped me understand God in a whole new way when I discovered it. But it says... But do not overlook this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord, one day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Uh, even when it might feel like God is uh, merciless, or unkind to allow bad things to happen um, in our world right now. That could be this whole virus, the death, this pain, the sickness, the sadness, the loss of jobs, uh, the fear, the anxiety, all of it. You could be like, God, what? Why are you letting this happen? Um, I know to be true that he is not bad. He is a good God and he is not slow or late 
or forgetful um, when he waits a couple extra days to go see Martha and Mary and Lazarus uh, when they asked him to do something. He had a plan. Um, And the plan and the hope in his greatest good is wanting no one to perish spiritually, but all to come to repentance, to believe in him. That is the greatest good. Um, So jumping back into the text, back into John 11, um, verse 33 is where we're picking up. It says, he saw her and the Jews with her weeping, and he was deeply moved in his spirit and was greatly troubled. Verse 34 says, Jesus says, where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. Verse 35 says, Jesus wept. Jesus wept. Um, Second point, if you're taking notes, is you can know God has a plan and still grieve. You can know that God has a plan and still grieve. Jesus weeps, that means cries, sobs. That's literally what it means. He was emotional. Um, And just a reminder, this is the God-man. This is Jesus, fully God, fully man. Um, The one who intentionally waited to go see his friends because of a very specific plan um, that he had that would provide the opportunity for many to believe. And he knew the plan. He knew that this was temporary um, and that God is good and that he's working all things. He knew all those things. Uh, He had Romans 8, 28 memorized before it was even written because he's God. Um, He knew he was about to see Lazarus again in the flesh and then he would be with him forever in eternity. He knew all the facts. Um, He knew all the right answers. He had the best theology of suffering. Um, And still he weeps. Um, He weeps out of compassion. The text says he was deeply moved and troubled and full of emotion and the reality of pain and suffering. That was where Jesus was at with this situation. He was in it with these people. He wasn't critical. He wasn't quoting scripture. He wasn't trying to explain it. Um, he weeps. Hebrews 4, 15 through 16 says, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect, talking about Jesus, has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in time of need. And how I would summarize that is just that he gets it. (laughs) Jesus gets it. Um, He gets how we're feeling. He gets that this is crazy. He gets that this current season we're in is hard and every other one we've been through is hard because it says he can sympathize with every weakness because he felt it. He went through it. He was a human while still being God. It's insane. And I think the point here that I'm trying to make, um, that I feel like he was trying to make to me uh, this week, is that we can know all the right answers um, and be as positive as we want to. That's kind of my knee-jerk tendency in hard situations. Um, But there is a very real reality of pain um, and hardship, big and small, um, that demands to be felt in most seasons of life, but especially um, right now. And it's okay to grieve or to weep, um, whatever that looks like, whether that's 
grieving the condition of the world we're in um, right now, or the things that you personally have lost in this season, uh, the things that you're sad about, the things that you're missing, the things that are just making you feel all kinds of out of whack. Um, it's okay to feel that heaviness um, while still doing your best to be joyful and hopeful and make the best use of your time. So jumping back into the text, we're gonna pick up in verse 36 and we're gonna read through 45. So follow along with me if you have it. Um, it says, then the Jews said, see how he loved him. But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? Jesus once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, Martha, the sister of the dead man, she kind of always has something to say. Um, by this time, there is a bad odor, for he has been there four days. Then Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here that they may believe that you sent me. When he said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. Therefore, many of the Jews who had come to visit Mary and had seen what Jesus did, believed in him. So point three is Jesus cares more about saving souls than preserving comfort. And that's kind of a hard one to swallow, but it's true. Jesus cares more about saving souls, yours, mine, and everybody else's, um, than preserving comfort. Uh, Jesus performs this insanely incredible miracle. Like, this is nuts. He just raised a dude from the dead that had been dead for four days. Um, it's insane. Like, it's just wild what he's done. It's real. It's true. It's hard to believe sometimes, but it's so true. Um, and as far as I can see, it's largely for the purpose of verse 45. Verse 45 again says, many of the Jews who had come to visit Mary and had seen what Jesus did, believed in him. Um, they believed in him. That was like the whole point of it, it seems like. Um, Luke 19.10 says, for the son of man came to seek and save the lost. I think it's easy sometimes when we read through these stories in the gospel books, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and we hear these things that Jesus done, does, he like heals people and he casts out demons and now he's raised a dude from the dead. He's doing all this crazy stuff. And it says, and then they believed. People were believing in him, in this case, Jews, which is amazing. Um, they believed in him. And I think sometimes it's, we just gloss over that, like, oh, neat, a couple more church members, add them to the roster. Um, but the reality of it is that's a huge deal. It's like the biggest deal of anything that will ever happen. Um, and that seems like why Jesus performed this miracle in this way at this time. Luke 15, seven says, I tell you that in the same way, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. 
And I love that. Uh, There will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons that need no repentance. Um, The greatest good is always and forever uh, people getting saved. It's the greatest thing that could ever happen. Um, This is souls going from death to life um, forever, which is the whole reason that Jesus came. Um, It's the whole point. It's the whole point of Easter. It's the whole point of this Holy Week that we're in, um, as we call it. And the whole point of Jesus coming, living this perfect life, dying the death that you and I deserve, um, is so that we could know him, that we could be set free from sin and death. He took that in his body on the cross so that we wouldn't have to. Um, He made a way, and he is the only way for us to know him. And in this season when we are all fearful and anxious about a lot of different things, but ultimately it comes down to, if we really break it down, we're scared of dying. Um, We think that this virus could just take us out and um, we're not interested in that. But Jesus is very interested in that, not in our death, but then we would know him. Um, because he knows that this isn't it. This is just our temporary home. Our eternal home in heaven is what we're waiting for. Um, And he longs to set us free. It says in Romans that if we believe in our hearts and confess with our mouths that Jesus Christ is Lord, we will be saved. Um, Romans 8.1, there is therefore now no condemnation for anyone who is in Christ Jesus. Um, There is hope and freedom in knowing him. And that's what this story is all about. Lazarus, raising from the dead by Jesus, was a true story. Um, It really happened in the book of John, but it's also a foreshadowing to what's gonna happen in 10 days after this story. Um, That Jesus would raise from the dead, conquering sin and death for all of eternity. Um, It's the greatest good that we would know him. Um, And if we do know him, I pray that we would just thank him for that. And if we don't, I wish I could sit down with you and have a conversation, but I can't. But I know that God is there with you, and if you wanna talk to him about that, he is ready and willing. Um, So, kinda what do we do with this? It's like a beautiful story. There's a lot of stuff here that we can draw from. Um, But what's the application? What do we do with this? Just to recap, we can learn from this story that one, um, God allows the hard and the bad to bring about the greatest good that we just talked about. You can know God has a plan and still grieve. Um, And Jesus cares more about saving our souls um, than preserving our comfort. So I would challenge us to integrate this into our thinking. During this strange and difficult season um, right now and the many to come long after this, um, we're all thinking about this right now. For the first time in our lives, the entire world would know what we were saying if we said the word COVID. We have something common ground. Um, A lot of people are fearful and a lot of us are thinking about the things that really matter. Um, So maybe it's time to reach out to someone that you've always wanted to have a more faith-based conversation with, but you've been hesitant because of fear. Um, 
and it's maybe it's time to introduce the gospel to people. Um, we can embrace all of this emotion that we're feeling um, and still found it in the knowledge and truth um, that God is in control. And amidst all of this, he has a plan in the same way that he did with Lazarus and Mary and Martha, the people that he deeply loved. He deeply loves us and he has a plan. Um, so we're gonna move into a time now called 120 seconds. If you are new with us or just checking it out tonight, um, this is a time where we just take two minutes um, and sit kind of in silence, um, just with the piano playing. And we just think about what we just learned um, from God's word. And even though you're at home, I would challenge you to just do this, to just take a second and pause and think about the truth of God's word, what he might be speaking to you through his Holy Spirit, uh, what he might be impressing upon your heart. And we're gonna have a couple questions up there um, and thoughts for you to think about. But the first one is, are you acknowledging the emotions this season has brought? Like, are you really thinking through these fears and these anxieties and these things that make you uncomfortable? Um, and are you inviting God into that conversation? An example of that would be like, God, like I am anxious and I don't even know why right now. Like, I don't even know, I'm, I don't have it. I don't know anyone who has it, but I am just overwhelmed with the feelings of anxiety and grief and whatever else. Um, would you help me in that? Taking that to God, still taking those thoughts captive and giving them to God and saying, help me sort through this. Help me know what is true, what is right, what is pure, what is holy and what to think on so I'm not so overwhelmed. Um, second one's challenging. It's, are you more concerned uh, with your comfort or the lost people that don't know Jesus? Um, be honest here. God knows he's omnipresent. He made you, he knows everything about you. Um, which is what makes him amazing. But what are you more concerned with? Your comfort, um, the things you love, the things that make you feel good, or people that don't know God? And just ask, wrestle that out with God. Ask him to change your heart if it needs to be. Um, and just start a dialogue there. And then the third one um, would be a challenge. And that would just be this week to take something that was a regular conversation um, and turn it into a faith conversation whether that's on Zoom or um, FaceTime or whatever, I would just challenge you in this time, in this two minutes we're about to have, that you would ask God to give you a name or a face of someone um, that you could call and just say, hey, can I talk to you about my faith? Do you have a faith? Whatever that looks like and just shift the conversation to God, maybe for the first time. And if that is totally terrifying you, I get it, um, but it's worth a shot. So just to wrap this up, I have no idea why we are in a pandemic or why this is happening in the world right now. And I don't pretend to, and I don't think probably any of us should. Um, but I do know that God often uses the hardest things um, in our lives to bring about the greatest good, which is knowing Him and that many would know Him. Um, and that we would find salvation and hope and life in him. Um, so that is my prayer for us, that if we have that, that we would be ministers of it, that we would give it away, um, that we would provide hope to a world that could use a little extra right now. So I'm gonna pray and then we'll go into that 120 seconds.
Heavenly Father, we just thank you um, that you are good. We thank you that you do use the hard things um, to bring about the greatest good, which is that we get to know you, Lord. Thank you that you've used hard things in my life um, to help me know you more. Thank you that nothing is wasted ever and that you are in the business of making beautiful things out of ashes. Lord, I pray we would lean into you in this time like never before, that we would allow you to move, that we would remember that just because we are on lockdown or quarantine, that the gospel is not and it can still go forth and that you can move um, and you are moving and you will move. So Lord, we just ask that you would do that in us and in our city with our friends and our families, Lord, that you would make yourself known. Um, I just pray over this 120 seconds for all the names and faces that are gonna pop up in people's brains, um, that you would just remind us that it's not about us, it's about you, um, it's for you, and we love you so much. In your name we pray, amen.